Good morning, entrepreneurs. You're tuned in to the non-corporate network, the worldwide leader in entrepreneurship. This is Entrepreneurs. My name is Chaz Vandermater. I'm joined by my co-host, Dustin Trout. And we are here to keep you woke. On this Wednesday morning, we discuss the top six trending small business stories for three minutes each. We each give our take. We keep you woke. We do the research so you don't have to. It's not free. I'm sorry. You don't have to pull your credit card out, though. Just tell an entrepreneur about us. You only got to tell, tell one, and you can listen today. Uh, Dustin, where can they find us at? Wherever you watch or listen content. Uh, we're on YouTube, Facebook, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, we're on uh, every podcast channel, uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Um, essentially, wherever, wherever you're consuming content, just search for us. And you'll find us. Entrepreneurs. I know entrepreneur is kind of a hard word, so we just changed it to news at the end, so we didn't have to spell it. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, without further ado, I think we're about ready to... Just dive right in, Dustin. You ready? Let's dive right in, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, getting into our first story. New retirement bill has perks for seniors and student loan borrowers. Get this, Dustin. A new bipartisan bill. Yes, you heard it right. Bipartisan bill will raise the age for acquired minimum distributions for accounts like 401ks and IRAs from 75 down to 72 or up to 75 from 72. Um, it will also let workers repaying student loans to get company 401k matches, even if they're not saving in their workplace plan. Uh, this is called the Securing a Strong Retirement Act, and it was proposed on Tuesday. Uh, there's some other cool stuff, too. I mean, it, it allows you to contribute more into your 401k uh, at your, if you're 50 and 60 years old uh, to the catch up essentially if you didn't contribute earlier. And so I uh, really trying to do a lot to help with the economic welfare of our country moving forward, help uh, our, uh, our people to build a little bit more wealth, save a little bit better, be woke about that process. Dustin, what are your thoughts on uh, this new proposed bill? I absolutely love it. I don't know if they're trying to replace stimulus, but I think this would be good to coincide with stimulus. This is more of a long-term play, but I, I think the government needs to do more with how we can uh, create more generational wealth. Um, yeah. I mean, just long-term wealth in general. I know Trump, right before uh, coronavirus hit, there was talks of uh, making it to where all your investments into Wall Street were going to be tax deductible, which incentivizes investing into other American companies. Um, stuff like this, where you don't need to take distributions, you can let your money grow a couple more years. I think all of these are going to help with long-term yep. wealth for the American citizens, and I'm I'm all for it. I, I think that the government should be doing more to create tax incentives or tax breaks uh, to to allow people to invest more into American businesses. I mean, at the end of the day, that that creates jobs, that creates innovation, that all without the help of the government. And now I have less of a tax bill. I'm happy as a taxpayer. And so I think all around, it'll make just a better ecosystem. So yep. I love the the conversations that are happening. What are your, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I think, uh, I think it's a, a great bill and I, I hope to see it get passed. You know, I think, uh, there's a couple of things that I wonder, you know, there's a lot of, uh, things changing in terms of how business is done. There's a lot of freelance and gig economy workers. And so I know we're seeing kind of this, what about me type of thing where it's like, well, what if I don't have a 401k? What if I am not contributing that? Cause I'm, you know, not employed conventionally. So 
Um, I hope that we don't leave those people behind, being that it is a, a growing sector of our economy. But in terms of you know W four workers and having the ability to catch up, I think is a really amazing thing. And yeah, like you said, it's just like long term stimulus. Uh, it's a way to uh, allow us to you know even though this year may be hard, we maybe don't have the cash flow to be contributing as much as we'd like to. Uh, it gives us an opportunity to you know recover from that yeah it'll be interesting to see how they do the 401k matching i mean as a business if you know someone is paying their student loans do and i have to match i mean is there going to be a tax break for the business or is this just going to be an added expense for businesses which yeah obviously is never a fun thing to deal with yeah no it'll be interesting to see how it's executed uh but getting into our next story harley davidson unveils a new electric bike called Serial One. These bikes are uh, electric, as I mentioned, and uh, they look pretty interesting, Dustin. I, I, uh, I think this is a little bit outside of their business model, right? But uh, we saw their stock price jump uh, over 25% yesterday when they announced this. And Dow Jones is down like 800 points. So it's pretty <laughs> impressive that they're able to come out with an announcement like this. It shows that they're you know, investing in a different sector of the market. Um, you know, Dustin, does this warrant a uh, 25 plus percent stock increase? And uh, what do you think about the pivot into this sector? I, to justify a 25 percent increase on top of a business that's, you know, pretty, pretty large. I mean, they're they're a national company, you know, looking at the bikes, they do look pretty sweet. But I mean, you know, when I hear Harley Davidson rider, I, you know, see someone that's it's a biker and, uh, yeah. you know, getting a, a big dude on it with a leather leather jacket, yeah. you know. Um, chaps and everything on a on a, <laughs> a pedal bike that is electric. I just the, the audience that I think they're trying to go after with this, although the, the, this is the way consumer behavior is moving, it's yeah. just I don't see it in line. They're gonna have to do a very good job, use some of the cash that they've been saving up uh, over the last hundred years to really penetrate a new audience. Because I I don't think the the audience or affinity that they've had is gonna be the same with these bikes. I think it's yeah. a good move, but you know it's all coming down to the execution. Yeah, no, I mean, you bring up some good points. I, I think that, uh, you know, there's a big trend that's coming. And I think, you know, with all of the awareness into our carbon footprint, and as we continue to think about how do we save our planet, one way to do that is, you know, stop driving gas powered bikes and cars. And uh, I'm sure that they're seeing that. And I'm sure they can't get the roar out of the engine um, when it's uh, battery powered compared to gas powered. So knowing what's coming on their horizon, they had to do something. And, you know, I think that this is an interesting move. They're banking on their brand loyalty and their, uh, their kind of already established distribution to be able to push this further. And, I mean, but it's almost it's like move. two different product lines. I mean, you have the motorcycles. Cool. I can go to San Diego cruising motorcycle, yeah. <laughs> but I'm not going to be on a electric pedal bike, you yeah. know, on the 10 cruising to San Diego. <laughs> yeah. So it's almost like two totally different industries or That's problems true. that they're solving. And so, I mean, I, I wonder I, if they're going to sell them out of the Harley Davidson <laughs> shop too. Like you got a chopper <laughs> sitting there next to your pedal bike. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, because that is a big thing is that they're a real estate company, just like they are a business. Yep. Like they have robust. And and I'll tell you, the other big thing is that they have a lot of apparel that people don't realize they crush it on their apparel because people live for it. And so, you know, knowing that it's like, yeah, we're going to have biker jackets that say serial <laughs> one on the back of them now. I don't know. I think that that is another opportunity for revenue there. I mean, it's high margin sales on things. Yeah. No, and it'll be interesting to see how that impacts the overall motorcycle business. I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> yeah, just decide. Next? I mean, we're going to start seeing streamers come from, uh, you know, the Harleys and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. A little bling, bling. 
You know, they they love that. They love that <laughs> stuff in Colorado, though, with like the you know the bikes and the breweries yeah. and everything. So yeah. I mean, it's a trend. Micro breweries are popping off too. It's just one more thing. Uh, well, getting into our next story here, um, home prices climb faster in Phoenix than other major U.S. cities. Uh, this is interesting. You know the. Uh, S&P CoreLogic case, Schiller 20 city home price index showed the average Phoenix home price from August is 9.9% higher than it was August 2019. Uh, you know, this is uh, the largest increase across the board um, and year over year increase of 5.2% nationally. So home prices are going up in a lot of these big cities, but especially here in Phoenix, Dustin, how long can Phoenix sustain this housing pricing increase? I I think it has a pretty long future. I mean, it's 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 simple. Pricing is is predicated on supply and demand. There's only so many homes here in, in Phoenix, and a lot of the realtor friends out there are mentioning that supply is at an all time low for the state. There's literally less than a month's uh, worth supply, and we have record amounts of people moving here. So we have demand for housing, but no supply. I mean, it, it it's gonna happen for a long time. I, I you know, there's not. Many people are moving away from here to other other states, and as we have an influx of people moving to California and all that, yeah. they're just going to keep going up. I, you know, it's 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 great to see. I mean, as a homeowner, it's awesome to see. I mean, how that impacts the overall, you know, local economy and all that. It's you know, right. only time will tell. But I think it'll it'll be positive because as you know, as people sell these homes, they're going to have more uh, more cash and they can buy bigger homes. I think it's going to be overall good, and I think it'll sustain for a long time. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, my my worry is that, you know, I, I bring this up all the time I and mean, it's not like a broken record, but, you know, we got about seven ish million people here in Arizona. You got about five and a five and a half, five point seven percent up to six point seven percent kind of fluctuating between that scale at any given time that are unemployed. You know, you get eight hundred dollars in change in unemployment benefits monthly here in Arizona um, and the minimum wage is eleven dollars. So even you know before taxes you're earning maybe 1700 bucks if not less and so you know the this whole concept of you know all the housing is going up i assume that all real estate is is also going to be going up renting is going to be going up mm -hmm. and so you know as this kind of there may be more scarcity but you know there it's all relative in terms of value and so in a place like Arizona that's notoriously cheaper to live in and the reason that there's an allure to come here is for that reason from these other places where it's more expensive i can't imagine that you know when these prices raise up to as much as San Francisco like you know prop 208 may pass and now all of a sudden what's the difference between Arizona and, and any of these other places people are moving from? You know, it's going to be the same price. And that's the beauty about the market. That means demand will go down, supply goes up, home prices will go down. It's, it's, very, it's all relative to what the actual market is. And I mean, to your point, it is going to raise stuff across the board, but with more people moving here, there's more money exchanging hands, which hopefully more jobs are being created. And ultimately that unemployment rate goes down and these people are getting jobs or at a wage that's way way larger yeah. than uh, minimum wage because there's a lot of demand and i'd know. like to see more jobs be created than number of people moving here monthly because right now it's the the threshold is we'll see oh uh, we'll see i i got uh we love phoenix so i don't want to bet against them um you know another company i don't want to bet against is state 48 we are powered by state 48 uh and they do just amazing things you know it's like a big brother brand that we can all kind of look up to here in the way that they're, you know, providing social impact and 
you know, supporting such amazing causes. But Dustin, anything uh, you want to mention about Safe 48? No, they're just awesome clothing, doing great for uh, small businesses and nonprofits here in the Valley. I mean, they're they're just doing great for the overall community. So make sure to check them out, state48.com. Transition game strong. <laughs> so going on to our next story. So there are millions of freelance workers that fear a Biden presidency may put them out of work. Uh, so with 59 million American freelancing or Americans freelancing, the future of freelance work is a key concern uh, for these workers as a presidential election approaches. And the, the reason is Biden has expressed uh, support for protecting the right to organize or the PRO Act um, on his campaign website. The PRO Act uses the same uh, logic as the three-pronged ABC test that California rolled out, which that same test uh, made Lyft and Uber drivers become full-time employees rather than contractors. Um, and really, the, the AB5 classifies contractors as employees and makes it hard for freelancers to work within uh, businesses within their own industries. So the ABC, there's three things that you got to look at. You have to pass all three in order to become a freelancer. And what they're saying is the B or the middle part is the part that's hard to pass. And it says that to be considered a contractor, a, work, a worker must perform the work that is outside of the usual course of business. For example, if I'm a, a freelancer doing marketing work, I cannot work for another marketing agency or white label for another marketing agency. I'd be considered an employee, even if it's only five hours worth of work. And so being considered uh, an employee, there's more taxes. And so, you know, it's it's it convolutes the whole freelance yeah. and gig economy. And, and as mentioned, I mean, it's a growing, growing sector of our yeah. economy with 59 million um, freelancers. I mean, what, what are your thoughts? Is this good? Is this bad? What, Maybe how not growing much anymore, Dustin. You know, I, I don't, I don't really like this bill. I think that, uh, you know, this, this should be a decision that the worker is making. And I think with all this legislation, I mean, it's meant to obviously protect workers, but I don't think it's meant to eliminate the gig economy. And that seems to be what this bill would do is to shut down the gig economy and give the right to, uh, work more to the business than to the individual. And I think they have that right to choose like, Hey, I don't want to be a full-time employee. I only want to work this amount of time. I, I want to set my own hours. I want to, you know, do X, Y, Z. Now all of a sudden, you know, there's no negotiating power. Like they get to decide that. And, and with something like this, it's pretty much like you're forcing the hand of freelancers to either not like eliminate prospective customers or customers they're currently working with due to the fact that they're going to have to become an employee. Um, it just, it's going to make it harder for them. And I don't think that that's what we're trying to accomplish here. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the biggest thing is most, most freelancers, their first uh, client is, uh, you know, the, the full-time work that they left. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of marketing freelancers that their first client is the agency they're working at. It's, Hey, I want to go try and start my own thing. Cool. Here's my hourly. And now we're working together as I can expand my portfolio. So that would prevent that, which I mean, that that's how a lot of people start from freelance to grow businesses. So yep. I think this is going to be a, a direct hindrance on business creation and business growth overall. Yeah, no, I, I it's tough, you know, Fiverr, Upwork, watch out for this legislation. You guys are going to be the next Uber and Lyft here. <laughs> exactly. So on to our next story. So Amazon says that third-party sellers made more than $3.5 billion uh, from Amazon Day. Um, Amazon said that the small and mid-sized businesses that sell on its marketplace um, had more than $3.5 billion, which is a 60% increase compared to last year. It's huge, almost yeah. double. Yeah. Uh, the company did not disclose the total Prime Day figures, but said third-party sellers 
their sales grew more year over year uh, than the Amazon's retail business. And so third party grew a lot quicker and more than Amazon's own business um, on Prime Day. So, you know, Prime Day launched in 2015 and has been growing in popularity. It got pushed back because of COVID. Um, so it really kind of signals the kickoff of holiday shopping season. Um, the event also sees, you know, heavy participation with more than 2.3 million small to medium sized businesses uh, making up the marketplace. And so, you know, we've had a lot of talks on how Amazon is really leveraging third parties and collecting their data to then compete with them. But I mean, at the end of the day, they help small to mid-sized businesses make 3.5 billion in a day. I mean, what are, what are your thoughts? I mean, are they still the bad guy in your eyes or? <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, they're the bad guy. Are you serious? <laughs> like, wait, 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 make, them, make them sound so good. Let me throw some loaded facts at you, Dustin. They're going to put half of these people out of business once they look at the receipts and see what people are buying. That's what they've been doing. Jeff Bezos sat there at the antitrust probe and couldn't say that they don't do that because they do it. And it's just like th this these sellers built your business. These sellers are the lifeblood of your business. And with the, you, you didn't mention how many sellers there are. I mean, 3.5 billion. There is hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people selling on Amazon. And that is what makes Amazon great. Not because Amazon has great products. All right. I don't need to go buy a ring doorbell and an Alexa speaker. I mean, they've got like 20 things that they should be manufacturing yet. They keep private labeling the things that do well, and they're just cannibalizing their own market. I mean, the lifeblood is the sellers. And when you mess with the sellers and you take away their commissions and you go and private label the things that they're selling well, it just it just frustrates the hell out of me. I mean, you know, it's just virtue signaling at its finest here. $3.5 billion, it's, it's less profitable revenue that's being generated because of the sales. It's less profitable revenue because they've cut into the commissions with all the FBA requirements. I mean, it's great. Man, all, it's all negative, but Amazon gave them a platform to even make a buck. If you're so <laughs> mad about that, create your Shopify store, pay yeah. money to drive yeah. your own traffic. I mean, if, if you're if you're hundred percent reliant on Amazon for yep. your money and that is all you're doing and not diversifying your revenue lines, then that's on you. I mean, it's, it's everyone knows what Amazon is doing. And, and to me, you know, we can debate ethics all we want from, but from a business perspective, it's, it's genius. They get, they had, they built a platform. They hired engineers. They took time out of their day to build a platform so that Joe Schmo can sell his coffee on your platform and reach millions of people. They're taking the day and they're anymore. trying to better their business. Not if, anymore. Uh, yeah. Need to rewrite those bylaws well, and values as an organization. Joe uh, goes and expands his own website and doesn't have to rely on Amazon. Mm -hmm. That yeah. that would be a smart, what a smart business owner would do. Can't really rely on them unless they're, he's relying on them crushing him on to our next story bringing it back here locally so chandler factory revamps uh, for 5g cell phone growth uh with 100 million in upgrades to their factory uh so nxp semiconductors this week uh, received the green light to start shipping uh, its first components for an advanced gallium nitrate factory here in chandler um Gallium nitrate is a material that is used to help build uh, amplifiers, uh, transistors, and other components that are uh, installed atop um, of 5G towers. And so really, it's, it's they're building all the things to then make the 5G towers to make 5G accessible to Americans. Uh, the facility is in Northeast Chandler and employs about 1,500 people. Um, including about 250 employees that are that are focused on uh, producing this new gallium nitrate components. Um, AZ is a 5G manufacturing hotspot with over three 
three manufacturing facilities. Um, and Intel has planned over 12 billion in the next couple of years to, uh, to increase their manufacturing power here in the 5G uh, space. And so, you know, talked about a lot. Home prices are increasing. People are moving here. Tech is moving here. Manufacturing is moving here. EV is here. I mean, now we have 5G. Is Arizona trying to do too much and bring too much business or is this, this good for the state? I mean, it shows that there's uh, there's some good sandboxes out here in Arizona. I think there's a lot of legislation that's positive. Ducey's done a great job of helping to bring some of that in. Um, you know, again, 208 uh, is going to be interesting to see what happens there. But, uh, you know, I don't think they're doing too much. I think that, uh, you know, you got 12 cities or we had 10 cities in the top 15 in terms of growth uh, here in Arizona. And so uh, there's plenty of places that you can kind of, you know, we're seeing Chandler is becoming a big hotspot now. Um, you know, Old Town has become a pretty big hotspot for a lot of tech. Uh, you know, it's, it's almost, we're starting to see the identities of these different towns in Arizona and, you know, where their proficiencies are, where, what they're known for. And so I think it's cool that we're getting an identity in a lot of these areas like Glendale and um, up north. And so uh, I think it's cool. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, just again, remaining cognizant of the fact that what made Arizona so alluring in the first place outside of our amazing weather and, uh, you know, the landscape is that the income tax is low and the cost of living is low. And now you can't really say either of those things or at least you may not be able it's to not soon. as low as it was to, to California and Silicon <laughs> Valley, extremely low. Yeah. But I mean, you're looking at the, you're in free agency leaving there and you've got a short list of five uh, states. Arizona might have, you know, more bargain for your buck because of the income tax and because of the cost of living. And now all of a sudden you're comparing to, you know, places like Texas or places like Utah, all of a sudden it's pretty apples to apples. And, you know, maybe now it becomes a little bit easier to say, well, let's move there instead. So I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yep. And, and that's, that's the beauty about the free market. Everyone's making decisions and, you know, they'll have long-term impacts. And I'm hoping that we're not passing laws and doing things that is going to prevent our growth. But man, it's a lot, lot on that list to, yeah. uh, you know, create jobs to help pay for that rising rent and housing costs. So. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, there, there's a lot of industry coming here. We talk about it all the time. I think it's, yep. it's super cool to see that, you know, more and more is coming here. What's uh, your yeah. favorite story, Chaz? Shoot. I mean, you know, I, I don't know if I can call it my my favorite story, but I think it's it's very interesting when you see companies pivot and uh, and do something else um, and kind of set themselves up for the next five, 10 years. And not often do you see a pivot this blatant, like what Harley Davidson is doing. And so I think it's just cool to see where they're putting their chips and we can kind of sit on the sidelines and see if it pans out for them. But uh, I think it's it's cool to see them going all in a little bit on uh, on a kind of different business model. Yep. No, I agree. Uh, you know, my favorite was the new retirement bill. I think uh, there's Huge. so much that we can do um, from the, or the, I think there's a lot that the government can do to help create more long-term wealth for uh, the citizens. And I think if yep. you incentivize it, it'll do that. And I think that'll help attack that generational yep. wealth gap and uh, just the overall wealth gap in America. And so yep. excited to see how that kind of rolls out. Yeah. The, the Harley Davidson thing's cool, but yeah, that's probably my favorite because it's going to impact all of us. It's cool. So uh, yeah, but thank you guys for tuning in again. You've been watching the Uncorporate Network, the worldwide leader in entrepreneurship. This has been Entrepreneurs. Again, I'm sorry. We, we don't offer anything free here. There's no such thing as a free lunch. You got to tell an entrepreneur about us. You got to tell a small business owner about us. We want to keep them woke. We want to keep you guys ahead of the curve in terms of what is the next thing on the changing tide of 
business and trends. And so uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in again. Check us out on the podcast. Leave us a review. We really appreciate you guys. Uh, again, it's Entrepreneurs. Dustin, anything else before we wrap up? You crushed it. I'm crushing it you out here today, it. man. I, 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 I got a big man. coffee, you know. I'm just <laughs> guzzling coffee. Shout out to Panera. Taking names, baby. Yeah. Check out Panera for some free coffee as well. No <laughs> plugs there, but uh, we just like free coffee. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, that, with that, uh, again, my name is Chaz Vandermatter. Dustin Trout. And we see will you guys see Friday. you guys Friday. Yep. <laughs> <laughs>